some great and small. You being God, delivered me from the mall. Still can't believe all the ways you had.
everybody. An incredible God deserves incredible praise. For he's worthy of all the praises. He's worthy to be honored. His name is worthy to be exalted. We thank God for his goodness and his grace and his mercy. He's wonderful. He's indescribable. There's none like him. Amen. Well, if you will stand with me, we're going to go before the Lord in prayer tonight. We're going to pray for his will to be done. So good to have everyone in the house of the Lord. And so good to have every one of you that have joined our online congregation. Those of you that are part of our Bible study tonight, virtually, we welcome you. Amen. Brother Bob is on live tonight is what I was told. Brother Bob, you know how much we love you. You know how much you mean to this church family. We miss you, and we're so glad that you can join us live tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's go before the Lord in prayer, and I want you to focus your prayer tonight just on, you know, um, we oftentimes... You know, there's so many challenges and struggles that we deal with in life and all of that stuff. And people need help. And I feel like we allow our challenges to prevent us from helping others. But you know, something the Lord dropped in my spirit that I want you to know tonight. That the best way to help yourself is to help somebody else. We, we, we missing it. The best way to help yourself is to help somebody else. Because when you're allowing God to use you to lead somebody to salvation, you're also being led to salvation. Because you have to do what you need to do according to the word of God to help somebody else. And so that same word that you have to give to them that same life you have to live as an example for them to see. It's just what the word and the lifestyle that will carry you in your deliverance, in your salvation. So a lot of times we are concerned about what we're dealing with. And God wants you to know tonight that if you will do what he wants you to do, what you're dealing with will not be an issue. You won't have to deal with it. We need to really understand there are a lot of hurting people out there. There are a lot of people that have bad situations, challenges, and sometimes here is the biggest thing that we're dealing with. They need to feel like they can trust somebody to confide in them. They need help, but they just won't cry out for it because they're saying, who can I trust? And ultimately, they know it's the Lord that must help them for them to be helped, but they know the Lord will send his servant and if we're not in the right place as servants of God, we can't really help them. And so I want you to pray tonight just for people that are lost, people that are hurting, people that are sick, people that are in bad situations where they need deliverance. They need the Lord to rescue them. We need to pray and ask God to give us a burden for people. Give us a burden for people. Because when we get so worried about ourselves, we just overlook everybody else. We're not worried about their situation because we have our big situation that we 
So we think anyway. And God is saying, if you will just do what I need you to do, your situation will not be an issue. So let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight and pray for some others and not just go asking him for what we want. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we are grateful and privileged to be called the children of God. We're so thankful, almighty God, that you saved us, that you delivered us, Lord God, and you're still delivering us. Lord, we're thankful tonight that we're able to come before your presence, Lord God, and having this wonderful opportunity and privilege, Lord God, oh, Father, to have communion with you, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, we count it, oh, God, great favor and great privilege to be able to commune with you. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy, your kindness, your grace, your love. Thank you, Almighty God, for calling us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. But God, tonight we want you, oh God, to do a great work in us that we can be instruments of God. That we can be your hands and your feet, Lord God. That we can be your voice at times, Lord God. Because, Lord, it is your will that all be saved and that none should perish. And so tonight, Lord God, we call upon your name to say, God, will you do a work in us and cleanse us, Lord God. And rid us, Lord God, from those weights and sins that so easily beset us, Lord God. That get in our way, Lord God, and distract us from the purpose of God, from the ministry that you have called us to. And tonight, Lord God, I pray that you will create in us a clean heart, that you will cleanse us, Lord God, that we, Almighty God, can hear what the Spirit is saying tonight, that we can receive the engrafted Word of God into our heart, that we can be, Lord God, your vessels that you can work through. For God, I know you're just looking for one to say, Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. And tonight, Lord God, I pray, starting with me, that each and every one of us, Lord, will get to a place where we can say, Here I am, Lord, send me. For people are hurting out there, Lord. For people, Almighty God, are lost. For people are, are they're hopeless, Almighty God. There are people, Almighty God, that need deliverance. They don't know which way to turn. They need answers, Almighty God. Oh, Father, the devil is after their soul and want to destroy them. But God, I pray tonight that you will speak to us, that you will give us direction, that you will guide us, Lord God, and position us just for your purpose, just so we can do your will, just so we can be your instrument, just so we, Almighty God, can lead them out of bondage, can lead them toward you, Lord God, can show them that you You are the hope of the world tonight, Lord God. I pray that by the power from on high and the word of God, you will do a work in us that we will never be the same again. And that, God, we will have a burden for people to help people do the 
the work of God for people. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you will help us tonight. Pour out your spirit upon us. Let somebody receive from you tonight, Lord. Never ever be in the same again. I pray that you will open up the word of God to us and give us understanding and give us clarity and show us in the word of God what we ought to do. But God, as you show us, as you speak to us, help us to receive the word of God mixed with faith that we can do what you want us to do. I pray use me as your vessel and instrument that you will touch the hearts and the hearing of your people and speak to them and impart to them what you will. Have your way tonight, Lord, that we will not leave this place the same way we came in, but change from on high will take place in us and the will of God will be done for all those who call upon your name. We pray and we ask you these things. Oh God, we give you the praise tonight. There is none like you. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Oh God, we give you honor. Oh God, we bless your name. Have your way tonight in our time of coming together and studying of your word. Oh God, have your way. Change us, Lord God. Change us, Lord God. Work in us, will you please, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. Your will be done, Lord God. Your kingdom come, oh great God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We love you, we praise you, and we honor you. We love you, we praise you, and we honor you. For all these things we pray. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord, you are good. And your mercy endure it forever. Lord, we give you the honor and the praise, for there is none like you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Glory be to God. Amen. We need the help of the Lord. We need the help of the Lord. I want God to do something in this place tonight. I really do. I want God to do something in somebody's heart, somebody's mind, somebody's life tonight. Amen. God, you are the potter and we are the clay. Will you shape us and mold us? Will you have your way in our hearts, in our minds? Will you do what you will, Lord? We're dependent upon you. Amen. Genesis chapter 50, verse 24 Then we'll go to Exodus chapter 1, verse number 6. And we'll read some more passages of Scripture. It's Bible study, right? So we're going to study the Bible. (laughs) I don't know. The Bible, we're going to study here tonight. And so we're going to look into the Word of God and see what the Word of God is saying to us. Genesis chapter 50. As you know, the past few weeks been talking to you about prayer and the different means and ways of praying and calling on the name of the Lord. But 
more than anything else that we will pray. We have to pray. Amen. Genesis chapter 50, verse number 24 says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Joseph said, I'm going to die. But understand this, God will surely visit you. I'm going to die, but God will surely visit you. In Exodus chapter 1, verse number 6, the word of the Lord says, And Joseph died. And all his brethren and all that generation. So Joseph told us he was going to die. Then he died. Mm -hmm. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. This is the children of Israel who had went to Egypt because there was a famine in the land and they went to Egypt because the Lord guided them that way to Egypt because that's where they were going to be fed and not go hungry and not die from starvation. And they got there and now they're there and they've been there for a while. The Bible said that they increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty and the land was filled with them. Now, knowing all that, remember what we said, we read earlier, and Joseph died, or Joseph said, I will die, but God will surely visit you and bring you up out of this land. Children of Israel, they're in Egypt. Joseph, who was the one that helped spare their life because he was the one in charge of the food and the, the, the whole process of how the famine worked. And so he did what he needed to and helped not only just his family, but all of Egypt and the world known then that they would not die of starvation. But Joseph's time had come where he died. And he went on to be with the Lord. And now the Egyptians, I'm sorry, the Israelites, his family are still there. They're growing. They're prospering. And they're multiplying in numbers. Verse 8. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python, Ramses, but the more they afflicted, them 
the more they multiplied and grew. I wonder if we still have Christians like that. Or when we start feeling like we're getting persecuted. Or when we start feeling like people are against us, we walk away from the church. We walk away from God. Not them. The more they went against them, the more the Egyptians went against them, the more they grew. The more they became stronger. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptian made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And so we see here the first organized slavery. For all the people that missed that stuff, I like to bring it up. Because everybody like to talk about now. But let's talk about since we existed as people on the earth. And in this text, we just saw that the Egyptian, the Africans, looked at the Israelites, the Jews, and said, they're in our land. It's a lot of them. And if we're not careful, if we go to war against some other nation and these Jews that's in our land, they're already in our land. They team up with our enemies that we're warned against. We will be defeated easy. So you know what? Let's put them in bondage. Let's make them our slaves so we, they can't get away and they can't overtake us. We will control them. First, organized slavery. So for all the scholars and all the people that like to cry wolf, life always exists. It exists a long time ago. First, organized slavery. In case we missed it, people will be people. Stop segregating and stop saying this and stop saying that. People are just people. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with nationality. It has to do with people will always be people. Either you're going to be godly or ungodly. But if you're ungodly, you're going to always do sinful things, ungodly things, unrighteous things. And that has nothing to do with color, nationality, whatever. You're just not godly, so you do wrong. And when you're godly, you're supposed to do right. It's just that simple. We don't make it. Let's not make it so crazy. When you're godly, you do godly things. You're ungodly, you do ungodly things. It has nothing to do. Sin doesn't just attack a certain race or culture. Sin attacks human beings. So let's get off of the stuff and thinking that people have issue with people. No, sin is working in people's life and then they do things. Because if you're not living for God, and you know, even living for God, we have to trust God and ask for God's help to not treat people wrong, to not think wrong thoughts. So when we're ungodly, the bottom line is we're going to do ungodly things. So when you see wrong, call it sin. Don't call it nothing else. When you see wrong, stay away from labeling it anything specific other than what God called it. Sin. Enslaving people, sinful. Treating people unfairly, injustices, 
sin. Having being a respectful person, sin. Murdering people, sin. But we want to put an extra label on it. I don't know if it makes us feel better, but according to God's word, it's just sin. And they need what? Deliverance. In Exodus chapter 2, verse number 11. I'm going to read this in the NIV so you understand it really good. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Somebody say his own people. Glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Can I tell you a little secret? If you talk to the Jews today, they will tell you they're not people of war. They're going to tell you we just defend ourselves. So now you understand what Moses was doing. He was a Jew. But he worked. You'll see in a little bit. He, he was in the Hebrew. He was in the Egyptian um, kingdom doing his thing. But he was a Jew. And so his instinct as a Jew was to always defend a fellow Jew. So if you ask Moses when you get to heaven, why did you kill that man, Moses? He's going to say, I didn't mean to kill him. I was just trying to defend one of my peoples. Just telling you. Verse 13. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrew fighting. He asked the one in the wrong. Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Question mark. Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. I want to talk to you on this topic. You might don't think you can get this out of this topic, but I want to talk to you on this topic tonight. Prepared for ministry. With all that mess I just told you about, prepared for ministry. We think all things got to be perfect. In order for us to be prepared for ministry. And so I wanted to point all of these things out to you to let you see how God works and not how man works. Moses spent his first 40 years serving in the Egyptian kingdom. Mm -hmm. Some people think Moses was being groomed to be the next Pharaoh. If you go back then and ask them, they, they, they thought this is going to be the next Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. Egypt, listen to me carefully, Egypt seems the least likeliest place for God to start training his servant. But God's ways 
are not our ways. And God started training his servant in a sinful, messed up place where they worship idols. I can relate, man. I'm telling you, I tell you, if you know me long enough, you know, I tell you my story. God trained me as a sinner in the world. And when I got into the kingdom, he did more training. But he started in the world while I was a sinner. In equipping Moses for service, God took a few approaches. One of the approach was he made sure Moses was educated. The second approach was he took Moses on a journey where Moses would experience a lot of failure. That was God's method for training Moses. I was looking at something today from David Bernard ministering. Trying to remember the topic that he was ministering on. Uh, probably about the call. I think it's something like the call. And he was talking about his life, how he never viewed himself as a preacher. And he never aspired to preach, and his parents never pushed him to preach. Remember, his parents were missionaries to Korea. But they never told him, you need to be a missionary or you need to be a preacher. They never told him anything like that. They just was good Christian people, and he just followed their example. But he was doing his own thing. And so he said back then when he decided to go to a secular college, because he had went to Bible college. I'm trying to remember. Yes, he went to Bible college. And then after Bible college, he decided to go to law school. Because in his mind, I'm not a preacher. And so when he went to start to go to law school, great men of God said to him, how are you going to be a lawyer? You're a Christian, man. You know, lawyers tell a lot of lies. You know, lawyers don't shoot straight. How in the world are you going to be a lawyer? And so he just, you know, this is what I feel like I need to do. And so while he was in Texas, going to law school, he was working at a law firm, worked at the law firm, going to law school, and he got to the place where he graduated law school, and he was getting ready to take the bar, and so now he's wondering, what am I going to do for work? He was figuring the law firm that he worked for would probably offer him a nice little job there, and so he was, you know, he looked for a church out that way, and, you know, started working his way, that's when he met his wife and stuff like that, but the, the gist of the story is this. He is going to law school, and he's working at the law firm, and every once in a while, you know, he's going to church, obviously, um, when he's doing all of this, and so every once in a while, a pastor will say, hey, can you teach our youth, or hey, can you teach us how to teach Bible studies, and he would do a little bit of teachings here and there in the church, but, you know, never, he never thought about it, because in his mind, this is the path that God has for me, I'm going to be a lawyer. He said, we don't have no Pentecostal lawyers, so... I don't know none, so I need to be a Pentecostal lawyer. So in his mind, that's how he's thinking he's going about all this stuff, right? And so the time came where graduation came from law school. He took the bar. He passed the bar exam. And so now he's starting to pray about jobs. Oh, Lord, would you open the door and blah, 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 blah. And God revealed to him a scripture to say, I've called you to the ministry. I'll share the scripture with you later. I don't know how I got on this, and it just so coincided with what God was trying to get me to minister to us tonight. So I just thank God for that. 
And so God shared a scripture with him about God was calling him to the ministry. So when he heard the voice of God and he went to the scripture, God just gave him the scripture. He went and looked and the scripture told him, call you to the ministry. And so now he's like, oh, my goodness, what is this all about? And then he prayed and said, well, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go and you know, just all of that stuff. He said, I don't have a job. I don't know what the law firm is going to do. And so he, he, he went on. And so what happened was he met his wife. Him and her started kicking it. Before you know it, they started dating. And now it was time to get married, but he didn't have a job. He didn't know what he was going to do. In his mind, I'm not a preacher. And so he said, well, Lord, if you want me to go forward with ministry, you're going to have to open doors. And so all of a sudden he get a call from the church that his wife was going from the past. I need you to for 10 weeks teach on a certain topic. So for 10 weeks, he was in this school in this church teaching on a specific topic and teaching and teaching. That's how him and his wife met and they, you know, everything was good with them. But he was there for a while teaching and teaching. And then now it's time for a job. He's like, Lord, I don't have a job. And then he remembered, well, the law firm might offer me a job. And so he says, well, I guess I'll get a job from the law firm. And a couple weeks later, the law firm called him. When he got the call, he thought, wow. Law firm is getting ready to offer me a job. And the law firm said to him, I know we had made a promise to you, but the bottom line is our company is downsizing. We can no longer extend you a partnership in this law firm. We're so sorry, but we'll give you a great recommendation. God just closed the door on all that law firm stuff and all that lawyer stuff. And so now he finds himself in the church just teaching and preaching. And before you know it, um, he got a call from um, Jackson Bible College. And him and his wife traveled to Mississippi and he became, the, you know, some professor down there and teach theology. They lived down there for a while. And that's where David Bernard started. Today, in my opinion, he is the most accomplished general superintendent this organization has ever had. And guess what? Because of his law degree and all of the schooling that he's had, it makes him really good at what he does. But he had no clue way back then what God was going to do in his life. He's going to uh, um, lawyers, you know, going to law school and everybody's looking at him like, who in the world are you? Nobody goes to law school that's supposed to be a Christian. But today, that lawyer degree is killing it because all of our legality, all of our. Uh, the, the papers that need to be written and all of um, the, the, the bylaws that we need to incorporate as an organization. And even he's helping local churches. It's all tight because he's bringing it to us from a lawyer perspective. So he went to church. He went to law school to help the church move forward in this time. But the bottom line was God was calling him to do something great. God was preparing him for ministry, but he had no clue. And so I'm here to tell every one of you tonight that you are being prepared for ministry. And that's what it is. I don't care what you think you're supposed to do. Me and me and me and um, Jordan had a great conversation in the bathroom and he's telling me about, you know, um, IT. He likes IT. Jordan, in you going to go get your IT certifications and, 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 and graduated from college for something in IT, 
God still will use you to do something great in the kingdom of God. So don't think because you got an IT degree. Don't, don't think because you went to school to be a pilot. Don't think because you went to school to be a lawyer or whatever you went to school for, that that means that you don't have something in store or God doesn't have something in store for you. Everything you do, God is preparing you for ministry. Doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter. Matthew, you're, you're going for, to be a doctor. It's still for the glory of God. It's still for the glory of God. It's not just for us to say, ooh, I'm a doctor now, or ooh, I, I, I'm a lawyer, or ooh, I'm IT, or, or, or I'm a pilot. It's all for ministry. God is going to use you to do great things in the kingdom of God. So he prepared Moses, unbeknownst to Moses. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptian and was mighty in words and in deeds. All of Moses' learning, it entailed a lot of things. Because listen to this, Egypt had a highly developed civilization for its time, particularly in the area of engineering mathematics, and astronomy. Thanks to their knowledge of astronomy, they developed an amazing, accurate calendar. And their engineers planned and supervised the construction of the edifices that are still standing today. Listen, if you want to, you look in the scripture, the Egyptians had all of that going on back then. And the Jews that they had enslaved were the hands that was doing the work. We can say all we want to say about today and forget about yesterday. But the Jews were slaves being instructed, beaten, and controlled by the Egyptian to make all of those those Ramses and Pythons and all the, all the stuff that they had made there. And when we all go to Egypt and look at all the amazing, wonderful artwork there, those old work was done by the hands of the Jews with the minds of the Egyptians. And let it lie to you, but I'm giving you what the Bible tells us, and that's what the truth is. Yes, ma'am. And so Moses was very skilled in word and in deed because at that time Egypt had it going on and he was being trained by them. The servant of God should learn all he can, dictate it to God and faithfully serve God. When you are a servant of God, the servant of God should learn all he can, dictate it to God, and faithfully serve God. That's what a servant of God should be. We're all supposed to be learning so we can do the will of God. We're all supposed to be learning so we can be God's hands and feet. We're all supposed to be learning so we can take our rightful place in Christ. We're all supposed to be learning so we can fulfill our purpose in Christ. God is preparing all of us 
for ministry. I don't care what your age is. I don't care what you're doing right now. I am telling you, God is preparing you for ministry. If he did it for Moses that way, he will do it for all of us because God is no respecter of persons. He's not going to prepare Moses before Moses got saved and not do the same for you. Doesn't matter your age. Doesn't matter your situation. Hey, even if you feel like physically you can't do something, God can touch you in just a second and he will able you to do something. Though some were confused about his nationality or identity, Moses knew that he was a Hebrew and not an Egyptian. And he couldn't help but identify with the plight of his suffering people. Church, I'm here to tell you, we as Christians have to start identifying with our world as suffering in sin and don't understand that they are lost without Christ and don't understand that without Christ they will never make it. We need to understand that we need to look at, look at our people and say, man, God, show me how I can help them. Show me how I can pull them out of their situation. Show me how I can lead them to a place where they can have a right relationship with you. That's what Moses had that I so appreciate, that he could look on his people and see their plight and their struggles and say, God, I want to help them and today we need to look at our world and say god i want to help our world because our world is lost our world is hurting our world is just disillusioned and they don't know how to get it together and lord we know you can help us and so god how do i help them to know you so you can help them get it together prepared for ministry Moses saw his people and man that bothered him, how much they were just being treated unfairly. One day he made a courageous decision to help his people, even if it meant losing his noble position as the adopted son of the royal princess. Moses, big shot. Moses have a position. I told you. A lot of the people then thought that Moses was being groomed to be the next Pharaoh. So he was up there. But one day he made a decision that we read earlier. He saw one of the Hebrews being mistreated and he went to their rescue, ended up killing the person that was mistreating his fellow Hebrew. Moses was born with a burden for his people. He just didn't understand why and what to do with it. Moses was born with a burden for his people. He just didn't understand why and what to do with it. Church, I'm here to tell you tonight that God had allowed you to be born with burdens in your life. You might not know what to do with it, and you might not know why you feel the way you feel sometimes, but if you will go to God and say, God, why do I feel like this? God, what do I do with the way I feel because I just can't seem to get rid of this feeling? God will come, and he will speak to you and direct you as to why you're always feeling the way you feel about something. 
because you might feel it and think that is something bad. Why? Because without God, it's all bad. And so when you begin to have feelings and thoughts about things that, that, that you have a, a great drive for, it, it might be what you're thinking that, that, that makes you say this can't be from God. But guess what? What you need to do is saying, God, it must be something you put in me. And so tonight, I want you to begin to say to God, Lord, whatever I feel in me, if it's wrong, if it's ungodly, remove it. But if you don't remove it, then you got to show me why it's in me. You got to let me know why I feel this way, because there's something in me that I can't seem to shake. What is it for and how do I get help? To do what you need me to do, God. Hi, Jay, you'll be all right. You want to move around and stuff, and they're not letting you move around, IJ? IJ, you want to preach with me? Come on, preach with me. Hebrews eleven twenty four says this. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up. Every time I read this, I said, I wonder if any of us could do this. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. 27, by faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. So Moses could have stayed in Egypt and live large all the days of his life and be a shot caller. And he decided, I would rather be with my people in suffering. I would rather be with my people in all that they're going through. Because guess what? My people are a godly people. And because they're a godly people and they have a hope because they are godly, I would rather be with them than be with all the people of the world who are rich and have all the riches of this world. Because I'm better off in the long run. In this world, we might see 60 years. We might see 90 years. If we live an incredible life on this earth, we might get to 105. But the bottom line is, if you compare that, just stop and think. We're in 2021. We're in 2021. And before 2021, there was a time that was called B.C. So just think about your age. And think about where we are today and see how minuscule your time on this earth has been and will be. Why are we trying to keep that going? Why are we worried about that? It's so small comparing to how, as, as long as we have existed on this earth. The, the time that we are living is so minuscule. Why should we allow it to, 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 to get us to go away from God and get wrapped up in our stuff when it's only going to be for a short time? We're going to live eternity, eternally, and that, my friend, my brothers and sisters, is indescribable because we've never been there. If you examine your life, you may realize that God had placed a burden in you for his purpose. You may have misunderstood what it was there for and find yourself doing something different from the purpose of why it was given to you. But today. God wants to make you aware of the purpose he has given you, the burden that's in you, 
Some of us have burdens in us to do different kind of things. I don't care if it's athletics. I don't care if it's educational. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be just as much. I always tease my grandmother, say, you know, she liked to cook. It could just be a burden for cooking. I don't care what it is. Whatever that burden is, you need to go to God and say, God, why do I have this burden? God, why you have put this in me? Why I feel like I have to always do this? Why am I feeling compelled all the time that this is something I have to do? We need to go to God and pray and ask him, why is it that I'm always feeling this way about this? Is it something, Lord, that you have placed in me that I need to do in the kingdom of God? Have you been preparing me for ministry, Lord? I want to know because I can't seem to shake this. I always find myself doing it. Mm-hmm. That's the prayer that we need to pray tonight before we get out of here is to go to God and ask him about these these things that you feel sometimes. The, 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 and I'm talking about I'm not even talking about without a doubt. If it's a burden for the things of the kingdom, absolutely. But what I'm talking about is not necessarily burden for the things of the kingdom. What I'm talking about is probably something that you might have looked at that it's not really godly. I use cooking as an example because I want you to realize what I'm talking about, that you might feel burdens for things that are not godly. Moses felt a burden for the for the for the children of Israel to the point where he almost well, not almost he killed somebody. But the point is this. He had a burden in him for the people. What was that all about? All he know is, why do I care so much? Why do I care so deeply to the point where I can't even live this luxurious life? I have to always be looking out for these people. So what I'm telling you tonight, what you have probably overlooked for a long time is the things that are burdening you that you may not connect with God or connected to God is probably the thing that God has placed in you wanting you come to the understanding of what it really should be about. And that's what God want to do something with with you. God wants to make you aware of your purpose. He has placed a burden in you and he wants to make you aware of it. He wants to make you conscious of it now. Moses was born with a burden for his people. He just didn't understand the purpose of it and how to use it. Moses may have been planning to free the Hebrews by killing the Egyptians one by one, but that didn't work. It might have been what he was thinking. He felt so strongly about protecting the, the, the Hebrews that he felt like maybe maybe I need to kill these people one by one or get them out of the way some kind of way because I just can't stand around why, while they just kill them or beat them to death or make them these slaves. And he figured, I got to do something about it. This is why you hear me say, as Christians, all that's going on in our world, I don't have time to go the political route. I can't because I'm depending on all kind of other things. What I need to do is say, God, I have this passion, this burden for people to know who you are. For people to understand that you love them and that, that, that they have a hope if they will just trust in you. How do I do that, Lord? Because I feel like I will have greater success, quicker success by going to reach people the way the Lord says. 
than going through the political bureaucracy. Moses could have got some people together and tried to say, we're going to do it our way. We're going to get these people free from this slavery. And it would have been a war, a bloodbath, going on and on, nonstop. But the way God did it, he got them out of there in a different way. And so as a child of God, I'm going to do what a child of God is supposed to do. You should do what, what, what a child of God should do and leave the other stuff to other people that ain't a child of God. Because they got to rely on their stuff to do their stuff. We rely on the Lord. Whatever thoughts he had to help his people, he soon realized it was not going to work because their situation was a whole lot more complicated than he understood. Moses had a burden. That, that's something that's really good, a burden that he cared so deeply for the people that were being taken advantage of. That's a real burden. Today we can see it. I know there's people probably even in here tonight that you have a real burden for people that's mistreated and abused and misused and you want to do something about it. Can I tell you tonight, will you pray to the Lord and say, God, I just feel so terrible of what they're experiencing, of what they're going through. Can you show me what is your plan of how we're going to rescue them, of how we're going to get them delivered, of how we're going to get them saved, of how we're going to get the gospel to them? Because, Lord, they're in a bad situation, and I know all my efforts can't do it. But if you will work in me and show me the plan, I will do what you want. That's how we're going to get it done. That's really what the church is doing. That's really what the church is doing. But God will have specific ways of how he wants to reach specific communities and specific people. Moses later discovered that the Egyptians were only, I like this, Moses later discovered that the Egyptians were only part of the problem because the Jews couldn't even get along with each other. This is the reason why you got to be careful what you get yourself into. This is the reason why, D, because, you know, we start we start trying to help people. And before you know it, they do something stupid that now we look stupid trying to help them. We ain't getting on the roof. Hey, hey. Wait. But if we will go to God, I'm not telling you not to help them. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you, let's go to God and say, God, how do we help them with what they're dealing with? How can we work with them to help them know you and overcome this? Because the way how we will do it as society does it is going to look stupid and it won't work. It won't last. We see it all the time. We're trying to help people and you turn around. I see it as a pastor. Today I feel terrible, burdened, because I got a word, a message today from somebody. I kind of had an idea, but somebody's mom called me to tell me about something that their child was going through. And I kind of had an idea, and all while, you know, before it happened, I'm trying my best to help the child. I'm trying my best to help the child, and, and the child wouldn't allow me to help them, and now the child is just in a really tough situation. I'm still trying to help, but I, I can only help by the help of God and with that person wanting God to help them because every other way you will take, it will just blow back up in your face. And that's sometimes how we, we give up on everybody and everything. I tried and they were just ungrateful because you was trying it your way. 
This is how we get frustrated because you're trying it your way as opposed to saying, God, I won't move. I won't try to help them until you direct me. Because when we try to do it our way and it blows up in our face, we hate everybody. I ain't doing nothing for nobody else. They just mm, can't be bothered. But you forgot that you saw it and maybe the burden that God gave you, not taking that away from you, made you react. But the deal is you don't want to react until you go to God and say, God, how do I help? How do I reach them? How can I do what you want me to do so I don't make a mess? These incidents that Moses experienced reveal that Moses was a compassionate individual. God had given him what you would uh, look at as a, 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 comp- a, a compassionate heart. That, that's what you can look at when you see Moses in action here. God had given him a compassionate heart. He was sincere in his motive, but impetuous in his actions. We don't want to get there. We don't want to be, I know there's many things we can be sincere about, but we can't go about trying to do it in our way. It won't work. Knowing this, you would never suspect later that he would be called the meekest man on the earth. Uh Uh-huh. Moses was. If you look at Numbers 12... 12 and 3, he was called the meekest man. Moses' failure to help free the Jews must have devastated him. That's why God took him to Midian and made him a shepherd for 40 years. He had to learn that deliverance would come from God's hand and not his hands. He had the burden for the people. He wanted to see them free. He even tried to do something on his own, but God had to show him deliverance can only come by me. As much as you want to see good come to this world, as much as you want to see people's life be changed, it can only be done by the power of God. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Moses' failure to help free the Jews devastated him. But when God began to work on his heart, it started giving him some clarity and some understanding what was going on. The man who was mighty in word and deed is now in a lonely pasture taking care of stubborn sheep. When God is going to do something in your life as he's preparing you, as he's preparing you, you will feel lonely at times. I don't know where I was talking to and somebody said something to me and I said, you know, I got to be honest with you. Pastoring, ministry, not just pastoring, ministry can be lonely. And not because you don't fellowship, but because you spend so much time in preparing yourself that it can be lonely. So if we're spending time praying and studying, if we're spending time consecrating ourselves, if we're spending time researching and studying so we can be effective, you're doing that on your own. You're not doing that with someone. So that makes 
ministry lonely sometimes as far as people, humans that's present. It, it makes it lonely. So that's just something we just got to accept that when we get in ministry, there's going to be some lonely times. It's not going to always be better roses, having a good time, fellowship. No, there's going to be a lot of lonely times. But God is preparing you for ministry. That's the way it work. That's the way it work. And so here is Moses. He's lonely. Taking care of stubborn sheep. But that was just the kind of preparation he needed for leading a nation of stubborn people. God is so amazing. He is so amazing that he knew that the people would be stubborn when Moses finally get to his place of reaching them. And so God says, here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to put you in a position where you're going to have to deal with stubborn sheep. And so when you get the people, you'd already have the attitude, the persona to know how to deal with stubborn people because I just took you through 40 years of dealing with stubborn sheep. Israel was God's special flock and Moses, his chosen shepherd. Like Joseph, 13 years as a slave in Egypt and Paul's three years hiatus after his conversion. Moses, 40 years of waiting and working, prepared him for a lifetime of faithful ministry. God doesn't lay hands suddenly on his servants, but takes time to equip them for his work. God's delay are not evidence of God being unconcerned about us. He hears our groans, he sees our plight, he feels our sorrow, and he remembers his covenant he made with us. <laughs> what he has promised, he will perform. For he never breaks his covenant with his people. When the right time come, God will reveal his work in you and through you. Listen to me. You are the answer to someone's or a group of people's prayer. I'll say that again. You are the answer to someone's or a group of people's prayer. Oh, God, send us laborers. So when people come, it's something you had prayed for. God sent laborers. Someone or a group of people are an answer to your prayers. When you pray, God sends somebody to you. Now, all of this is orchestrated by God. God is the one that answers prayers, but he's the one that guides how it will get answered. In Exodus 2 and 23, I'm winding down here. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of bondage. That's where I am now. And so the reason why we got to this place is now the people, the children of Israel, they starting to realize their plight and what they're dealing with, and they began to pray. 
But while when they first was in bondage and things started going wrong, they, they didn't start praying yet. They still was enjoying the fruitfulness and enjoying all the goodness of the land. They didn't start praying yet. But eventually they started praying. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. Listen to me. Make sure you make a note of this. God has an answer prepared for your prayers before you prayed them. I just gave it. If you was following me closely, you'll see. I started in Genesis and told you that Joseph said that he's going to die, but God is going to get you up out of this land. Okay? Then I went and showed you where God now had a man and a woman, had a son named Moses, and now he was born. And he was on the scene. Moses didn't know what, he, what his purpose were. Neither did anybody else. And they were having a good time, fruitful and multiply, and all was going good. And all of a sudden, the Pharaoh died. And a new Pharaoh come, come on the scene that don't know Joseph. And now they're enslaved. But you know, because they were having such a good time, it didn't seem, seem too bad right away. But after a while, they realized this is not good. And they cried out to God for them to be delivered. But Moses was born a long time already. And God knew what he was going to do with Moses. But it wasn't until those people started praying and said, God, help us, that God began to minister to Moses. But he had been preparing Moses all along. He prepared Moses in Egypt. He prepared Moses in Midian. He was preparing Moses. So God has an answer prepared for your prayers before you prayed them. God had prepared Moses before Israel truly cried out in prayer. Man. All God is waiting for is for us to pray because he has the answer already. And all you got to do is cry out to him with a sincere heart and God will just begin to activate the plan. You think that God said when you prayed, oh man, here is sister so-and-so praying. Oh my goodness, okay, she got a problem down there. Let's see what I'm going to do. Okay, well this is what I'll do for sister so-and-so. No, God already knew every situation you would face, every circumstances you would come into. And God already prepared the answer, already prepared for the situation to be resolved. He's just waiting for you to cry out to him. That's all. He's waiting for you to cry out to him. And as soon as you cry out with a sincere heart, key, sincere heart, not cry like a baby because you just want to be comforted. Cry out to him with a sincere heart. Can I tell you, church, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I've experienced this. I've watched myself experience this through my Christian walk. There are things in my life that I pray about that I know I'm supposed to pray about. But I don't know how sincere I prayed, and I don't know how much my heart was in it when I prayed. And then there are things where I get to the point where I am so passionate, I am so sincere, I am so convicted and convinced that I need to really pray about this, and as soon as I pray, something just happens. 
to be honest with ourselves about that. We've prayed many a prayers. Just pray it because that's what you do. Not because it's deep down. Not because you, you really wanted something to happen, but prayer just to pray. And then there are prayers that you're praying, man, and it's coming from the depths of your soul. You're crying out to God. That's why every time I hear that word, when I read in the scriptures and they cried out, I kind of know what it means because it's coming from the depths of your soul when you're saying, God, I want to be delivered. God, I want to be victorious. God, I want to be saved. God, I want to be used. God, I want to do your will. And when it comes from way down there you be you you just see boom it's like instantly you know why because god had already prepared to answer that that prayer god already had it set already he was just waiting for you to now call out to him and then he will let it happen but you got to realize that you can't be thinking that oh this is so hard and so bad how is god going to work this out all you got to do is pray effectively sincerely from the depths of your heart and soul, cry out to God, and you will see God. Do, it, it will be like, how did that happen so quickly? And the reason why we realize it happened quickly, because we prayed so many other prayers that was not even prayer. And so we do more of that than we do more sincere prayers. We pray more prayers of just saying stuff than we do sincere prayers. So because we do so much of that, we don't get a lot of prayers answered. And so we have become accustomed to not hearing from God because all we're praying is just, I don't know what you want to call it, kind of prayers. It ain't even just basic. It's just saying stuff just to say stuff because we know we're supposed to say it. Like, the, 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 like what I always say every day when we like to say, oh, Lord, you said the steps of a good man are ordered by God. Will you order my steps today? Yeah, that sounds good. But do you really want to order your steps today? Or are you just saying that because you know to say that? I pray that because it's, it's right to pray. You know, there's scripture. Order my step, Lord. Steps of a good man are ordered by God. That's the word of God. But when we say it, we're just saying it because we read that and we know that's right. So order my steps. Those don't go anywhere. But when you, me, but when I wake up and I say, God, I don't want the day to just be another day. God, I don't want to just go through the routine of today like I did yesterday. God, you're doing something in this world today. And this is a day that we've never seen before. But you know it because you know the end from the beginning. And so, Lord, as I go through this day, allow me to be so sensitive to your will. Allow me, Lord God, to be your witness. Allow me, use me to speak to somebody that they may hear your word today. When I pray that way, it usually does happen. Because I was sincere and it came from the depth. I cried out to God. I didn't just pray what I knew. Exodus chapter 3, finishing up here, verse 6. Moreover, he said, this is the Lord now. Look how, look how long it took us to get to the Lord telling Moses now. Now go and go do what I tell you to do. All of what we just talked about, God hadn't called Moses yet to go. But the plan was already in motion. The plan was in motion from the day he was born. The plan was in motion, but God didn't set the plan in motion. Because guess what? You want to get deep in this? Because God knew just when the Israelites would start to pray. 
is how deep God is. He knew how long it was going to take them to start praying. So he let his plan just travel how it needs to travel, and it always hit right on time. This is why we can say he might not be there when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. Because he knows everything, and everything worked together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So he makes it work just perfectly, and the timing is perfect. Moreover, he said, I am God of, the, of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmaster. For I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out. To bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Pedrosites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptian oppressed them. Can I tell you something? Give you some more knowledge here. Notice this. I don't, I don't know if you ever stopped and thought about this. So one of the reasons why the Middle East have the big problem over there is what, what I just read real quick. Just, I ran through it. What did God says? I bring it to a land, a good land, large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto a place of the Canaanites. And he started naming all of these different um, nations that was in the land. So the reason why the fight is going on over Israel, because these people believe that the land was theirs because they're saying we were there first but they don't realize they had captured that land and god never gave it to them and when god was ready to give it to his people he said get out clear out so my people can have the land but right now the fight is they're saying it was never yours at the very beginning we had it first so that's why you're hearing this palestine talk and who first had the land and that's why because they're saying we were in the land before you all Jews came, but they don't realize God had promised them the land. And while they took so long wondering, oh my goodness, I pray. They took so long to go occupy the land that somebody else occupied the land. They weren't supposed to go there, but somebody else went and occupied the land. So now they took so long to get their blessing that they had to go now go work for their blessing. They had to go work for their blessing. But if they would have just allowed God to bring them from out of Egypt when they needed and, and not murmur and complain and stay in the wilderness for all those, they would have went right into their land and never had to deal with all those people. So today we have this big Middle Eastern crisis because the people are saying it was ours to begin with and the Jews are claiming it's theirs when we were there first. That's a big deal. Ten, come now therefore and I will send unto thee or send unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses, I'm finishing here. Moses spent 40 years serving as a shepherd in Midian. And during those many days and nights in the field, he no doubt meditated on the things of God and prayed for his people who were suffering in Egypt. Can I tell you? We got to pray before we go. We got to pray before we get engaged in anything. 
where we have so much knowledge now and even Bible knowledge. And so we instead of us waiting on the Lord, praying and seeking him, we just go do. And then we say, well, yeah, you should be doing this, says who? Never forgot years ago, Brother Readout told me he was on a college campus and some guy was in a wheelchair. This guy was in a wheelchair possessed with demons. And he realized that the guy was possessed with a demon. And the guy kept saying, oh, Clifford, read up, blah, 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 blah. And he kept on saying stuff important. And everybody knew Brother Readout, powerful man of God. And so they said to Brother Readout, are you, are, are you going to lay hands and cast the devil out of him? And Brother Readout had got a word from the Lord. And the Lord said, just leave it alone. But everybody say, you're full of the Holy Ghost. You're a man of God. You should be going to pray and cast the devil out. Be careful. Pray about everything. And so he didn't go, but some other people went and that boy embarrassed them in the wheelchair. That, that demon that had that boy possessed, he embarrassed them, made them all look bad because they didn't pray before they went to cast out a demon. They just figured, I got the Holy Ghost. I'm baptized in Jesus name. I'm going to cast. Did you pray first? And that's what I'm trying to tell you. God is preparing you for ministry, but you got to pray. You can't just think, well, this is the right thing. We should do it. It can be right. But did God say go do it? Did he send you to do it? Or was it somebody else's job to go do it? It's significant that God calls people who are praying, who are busy for him. A lot of people want God to do stuff in them and through them, but they're just sitting still. They're not praying and they're not serving God. God will only work in your life when you're doing something for God, meaning you're praying, you're seeking him or you're serving him. That's when God will now move in your life and do something. Why do you say that, God, preacher? Gideon was threshing, was, was, was threshing grains. Samuel was serving in the tabernacle. David was caring for sheep. Elisha was plowing. Four of the apostles were managing their fishing business and Matthew was collecting taxes. God has nothing to say about laziness. So if you're going to do something for God, if you're going to let God prepare you for ministry, you're going to have to be doing something. A lot of us are just saying, well, God knows he's all powerful and we're waiting for God to give you give us a dream. We're waiting for God to send his angel. We're waiting for God. So we're doing nothing while we're waiting for the angel. We're doing nothing while we're waiting to hear the voice of God. We're doing nothing while we're waiting for a dream. And God is saying, so I'm supposed to believe once I tell you, you're going to do it faithfully, huh? I'm supposed to believe that you're doing nothing now. And when I speak to you, whether by my angel or in a vision or in a dream, you're going to get up and go and be faithful. And God is saying, that's not how it normally works. The people were faithful over little things. People were faithful doing stuff. Guess what? I can get them to be faithful to my will. So church, God is preparing us for ministry. But we got to make sure we're just not sitting around waiting for God. You are prepared for ministry. Pray and ask God to lead you and use you. Pray and ask God to reveal to you his purpose for you and what burden he has placed in you. What to do with that burden. 
you are prepared for ministry. However, understand this. Ministry is connected with people. Ministry is connected with people. God is not going to direct you to do ministry and it doesn't include people. Colossians chapter 4 verse 17. This is what it says. This is the scripture that I'm telling you about that you need to hold on to this evening. It says in Colossians chapter 4 verse 17. And say to Archippus. That's how you pronounce it. Got to be telling y'all, you know, I got to say this is how you pronounce it because y'all be thinking I'm saying crazy stuff. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou has received in the Lord that thou fulfill it. God has a ministry for every one of you in here. Ministry means to serve him. He has a ministry for every one of us in here. And he says, take heed that you fulfill it. Take heed that you fulfill it because he's preparing all of us for ministry. There's not one of us that is not prepared for ministry. The, 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 everybody in here can talk to God. So at the very least, ministry might look like that, talking to God. But when you start praying constantly, God will talk to you what he wants you to do. Let's stand. Prepared for ministry. Church, I hope the word of God challenged you enough that you realize God has called you to be prepared for ministry, to serve him, to do his will. And if we will start getting busy, start doing things, then we will see that God will call us to do some other things. So before you go tonight, how about we take just a couple of minutes and talk to the Lord about him working in our hearts, in our minds, to take hold of the ministry and execute it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word tonight, Lord God. I thank you for this great opportunity that you have given us all, every one of us. You have called us from out of darkness into your marvelous light. And you have transformed us into your glorious kingdom, Lord God. And oh my God, we can do nothing without you. God, you have equipped us. But Lord, we will not move. We will not do a thing, Lord God, until you speak, till you direct. But while we're waiting for you to give us specific direction for specific assignment, Lord, we will continue to pray. We will continue to study the word of God. We will continue to love you. We will continue to worship and praise you, Lord God. We will continue to assemble ourselves together in the house of the Lord. We will continue, Lord God, to be witnesses, sharing our testimony, sharing the word of God. We will continue, Lord God, to do the things that you have shown us, that you have taught us through the scriptures and through the preaching of the word, what we ought to do. We will do those things, Lord. You said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And so tonight, Lord God, we wait upon you. But we know waiting means to do what we're supposed to do. Help us tonight, Lord God. Let the burden that you have placed inside of us, let it manifest, Lord God, as to what it means 
what we're supposed to do, how we move forward, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that, Lord God, tonight's word will, oh God, be engrafted in our heart and we will become doers of the word. Let the word, Lord God, take part, grab a hold of us and begin, Lord God, to be, be a part of us. That, Lord, we will live out your word, Lord God, that we will show forth the glory of the Lord by obeying the word of God. Tonight, Lord Jesus, we go from this place, but we pray your hand be upon us. The power of God will rule and reign. We want you to be Lord over our life, not just be Savior, but be Lord over our life, Almighty God. Father, I pray tonight that you will touch us in a special way. We thank you tonight, Lord God, for your word. We thank you for your goodness, Lord God. Bless each and every home represented here tonight, Lord God. Let the provision of the Lord, oh God, be given to each and every person that have need. Lord, use us to be your hands and feet, your echo, Lord God, to do your will, Lord Jesus. We look to you, for you are the author and finisher of our faith. Oh, Father, we thank you. We praise you and we honor you for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. God bless you. Give a good offering tonight. Building fun. We still looking to get great building fun so we can prepare ourselves to move to a new building. Give a good offering. God bless you. I love you. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you, everybody, for joining us online. We love you. Have a great evening.